0: Three, two, Uno. One. Yeah. <laughs> hey folks, this is Elijah Bailey. And with me as always, the most electrifying man in all of podcasting and entertainment, Mr. Richard Lee Taplin Jr. And the crowd goes wrong. Hello, everybody.
1: I hey, was gonna up? say something more like, like Ric Flair, but now I, I didn't want to blur the headphones and everything no, like that. Can... Woo! Oh, that was a very controlled move. I, I know I had to. I do no self-control. I felt like it going to pop. Yeah. But
0: uh, we're here today. Uh, this is a little short intro that we have today because mm-hmm. we had a wonderful conversation with Mr. Richard Osborne Jr., who is one of the most uh, passionate and has one of the biggest independent tournaments in the U.S., the Ozark Mountain Nationals. Uh, which is in Springfield, Missouri. He came on the show to talk about his martial arts past, about what he's going to do with this tournament, and then to, to inspire me and Richard just a little bit. Oh, yes, yes. With and, his dreams and ambitions.
1: And just for our listeners to know, this is actually a clean episode of Elijah yes. Bailey Show. So <laughs> go ahead and let the little kids come back in the room. You know, you can play it over the, 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 the a big speaker, speakers. The PA, yeah, yeah, you can play on the PA. We have no cussing whatsoever in the show, exactly. but it was a very great, powerful show that we did. So.
0: And you can expect him to be back on my other podcast, Hoya the Warrior Way podcast, and then also on our other podcast, The The Black Black Box. Yes. Dude, that just sent chills down my spine. (laughs) Uh, But with that being said, uh, let's get right into the show. Are you looking for the home of your dreams? Then look no further. Two doors Realty has just what you need. Two doors Realty is a full service estate brokerage providing the highest quality of service for home buyers and sellers. Their agents are professional, honest, and responsive. They take great care and utilize the latest technology to create outstanding listings and to maximize exposure for those listings. They do business in accordance with the federal fair house law. A highly educated and competent staff, immeasurable integrity accompanied by quality service will lead you through the only two doors you'll ever need to walk through. The doors of two-door realty and the door to the home of your dreams you can find them at twodoorsrealty.com or contact them at 405-418-6407 make sure to let them know that you heard about them from the elijah bailey show so the show gets a little bit of a kickback
2: physical strength is no substitute for perception for perception is the key which unlocks the intangible intangible power power of the the spirit. spirit you perceive nothing
0: Like I said, today we have a very special guest, the the innovator, the uh, motivator of the independent tournament scene based off of not only who he is, but but what he does and how he treats people, Uh, Mr. Richard Osborne Jr. How are you today, sir?
2: I am fantastic. How are you guys? Oh, yeah, we're doing great. And you know, this
1: is something that just hit me here. Um, Elijah Bailey, how does it feel right now that you have not only just two Richards, yeah. Talking to you in the ears. But I guess Richard Osborne is also a junior as well, like myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does
0: it feel to be getting slapped with two Richard Juniors right now? <laughs> Don't this is a clean show <laughs> today. But uh I mean it it it's it's good to and I was thinking about this. I said most of my friends named Richard are, are pretty good guys to put it put it cleanly <laughs> But it's good to have both, both people that I can depend on and trust uh, on the air today, on the podcast, and I know you are very fascinated, Richard Taplin, with martial arts, and you love for me to talk to other martial artists and hear from them, so I know you're going to have a blast. Yes, yes. And then, uh, Mr. Osborne, we talked about you potentially having a podcast and spreading yeah. the word some more, because you travel the country nonstop, it seems like.
2: Yeah, I, I, I am out there quite a bit, you know, I... You know, as far as my scope outside the region, you know, I haven't got to do a whole lot of the national scene, but we are trying to do more of it. I mean, as far as regionally wise, I don't know too many that put as many miles on on their car as I do. So, uh, you know, I try and I try and get out there, and I try and see my region for sure, and and I try and be out there as much as I can. And we're trying to expand it on the national scene. We just got back from Atlanta uh, here last. Well, excuse me, in June we just got back from Atlanta, so we are trying to get out there and really trying to, to. to make a name for ourselves and also help the sport in general
0: dude i mean as far as making a name for yourself i think you've done that uh with your actions and before we get into that in the battle of atlanta because that was really cool and i wanted to congratulate you on that but who are you for my listeners that haven't heard of you
2: well um my name is uh, richard osborne jr uh of course i am a junior uh my father uh as far as the martial arts side is my instructor uh my dad was an ata black belt back in the late 70s early 80s uh he broke away from the uh, ata uh the ata at that time was going through their kind of uh reorganization and so they're really kind of looking down on as far as open tournaments and full Mm -hmm. contact fighting and stuff like that yeah and my dad basically broke away from that and from there Uh, He started his own independent, basically, Taekwondo program. And then when I was at a very young age, at that time, not a lot of kids did martial arts. This was probably 85, 86, and I thought the Karate Kid was around 84. So Mm -hmm. it's not that the kids' programs weren't out there. They just weren't as plentiful. And then in the mid-'80s, late-'80s, you start seeing a lot more kids. And that was about the mid-'80s is when I started. So, you know, I am a product of a family martial arts. Um, You know, my brother does it also, too. Uh, my mom did it at one point in time. Uh, she had to stop because she kept getting disqualified at tournaments. So uh, and then, uh, even my wife, uh, my wife has competed, and, uh, and then we started a family. We've got the two boys, and so she, she wasn't able to continue after we started having kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and even my kids have dabbled in a little bit. So, you know, we are a family of martial artists. This is what we've done. Uh, like I said, my dad's been around since the late 70s, uh, 80s, and uh, and and all we've done is pretty much evolve our revolve ourselves around sport martial arts. That's all we've done in our martial arts career is travel to tournaments, compete, and, and be out there uh, among other sport martial artists.
1: Wow, that's yeah. impressive. It is. So it's like a, it's yeah, a huge, lineage. Yeah, lineage of uh, martial a martial artists whipping butt.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To put it put it nicely. <laughs> yeah. That's right. um, and with that being said, you have your own school now, and and what's the name of your school, and how often? Uh, Well, let's go with the name of your school and and what your primary focus is for your school.
2: Well, um, when I I first broke away and I started my own martial arts school, uh, we started as a nonprofit program and uh, and we were in the community centers. Uh, For a short period of time, I opened up a standalone location. And when we first started, the school was called Tiger TKD. We were in Republic, Missouri, which was uh, home of the Tigers. I really tried to make it sport-based to where it, it, it identified with the local team. And at that time, it was the Republic Tigers. So we were called Tiger TKD. And then we uh, opened up a standalone location uh, about five years ago, six years ago, and we called it Next Level Sport Karate. Mm-hmm. The reason why I called it Next Level Sport Karate, and I had a discussion with a guy that was a combat martial arts guy, yeah. and um, and he was, and I very much respected his opinion. And he had talked about, in over even in foreign countries, and we don't do it here in the United States, But in foreign countries, you have to define yourself as either a sports school or you have to consider yourself a self-defense school. And you Uh have to say that in your classification. And so not that somebody told me to do it, but since my emphasis was on sport, I just called it next-level sport karate because I wanted people to know when they walk through my doors what our emphasis was going to be. Even though we're teaching basic self-defense, I want people to know that when they walk through the door, this is what we're going to learn. We're going to train as a sport. Um, not that you have to compete, but that's what our curriculum is going to be built around. Mm-hmm. That's how our fighting will evolve around. And that's how we will develop you uh, on the sports side of things. And so that's when we came up with Next Level Sport Karate. Since then, um, I I had a wonderful opportunity with the city of Springfield to basically contract with the city of Springfield and teach with the community programs. Awesome. And I've got one program now, and I'm trying to open up two more programs here in the next uh, year uh, to have three locations running our next level sport karate program.
1: Wow, that's, man. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. That's, that's pretty cool. So, if you don't mind, let me ask you a quick question. So, just from the business side and everything, uh, so how, how was that, you know, breaking off and doing your own thing, community facility for a little bit, then actually starting to build your own offset or off site location? Just from the business side, how was it? It seemed like you wanted to make it known in the community that this is a sport. As well, not just you know from the stereotypical side of martial arts, like okay, this is self defense, light ah, but you you seem like you wanted to make this into like an actual sport, like how they do football and basketball. Evolve it, and yeah, basically evolving and changing the game. How was that?
2: Um, Well, it's tough, and it's not even with me saying my us in general now. Any martial arts program now, we compete with the traditional sports: basketball, football, soccer, Mm -hmm. wrestling. We are in direct competition with those sports now. Whether you're a sport or not, martial arts in general is now with those, whether it's a purely self-defense program or a sport program like I am. I mean, that people's time are taken up by those other activities and whatever activities it is. It could be the chess club or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And So trying to get people to fit in or to see the importance of what we're doing to try and fit it above something else, you know, and, and I know a lot of kids out there, you know, take baseball. You know, every kid wants to go and play in the major leagues, but not every kid's going to. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: And so they get a scholarship, college scholarship and they may not. Martial arts, they can do their whole life. And so trying to convince people or to talk to people about that, that, and sometimes they don't see the big picture. Hey, look, I know that, that little Johnny or Susie wants to play softball and baseball right now, and that's perfectly fine. But I'm just saying – still be a part of this because this is something that's going to be here after baseball is gone and you can do this for the rest of your life. And so, you know, that is the thing. And it's not just me and I can't put myself in a bubble, but I'm saying every one of us that own any kind of program or do any kind of martial arts, whether it's a church program, community program, commercial school is trying to fight that battle of, oh, how do I rank martial arts is important to my child and how Mm -hmm. much do I put them in? How much do we do with it? Um, you know, it's, it's a constant all the time. And I, and I still fight it now. Now that I'm outside of my standalone location, I'm doing in the community programs. I mean, it's still, it's still somebody, you know, taking it serious and going, Hey, what can I do here?
0: Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, that's one of the things we, what was it about? What? Three weeks, maybe a month ago. I called you and yeah, we started talking, trying yeah. to, trying to, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while. And we were just talking about how hard it is to, to compete with those because, any kind anything that anybody's spending money on, they have five basic needs food, shelter, you gotta pay your car note, pay for your car, gas for transportation. So you're taking one of those one of those five and putting in martial arts or football or basketball. And again, sometimes people don't see the end goal. Maybe if they stay with football they can get a scholarship, which removes a little bit of the financial burden but also helps them in the long run. With martial arts there's no real programs, Uh, that you see, especially in the States, that that actually does that. And so that makes it twice as hard because you can't get a scholarship in martial arts. I think there's a college in in, uh, Colorado where you have to be a fourth degree to actually go there and get a degree in being a martial artist in sciences. But the one thing that I like uh, whenever I talk to Richard is that you can hear, and hopefully you guys are listening to this show, but you can hear his passion and his motivation for what he does because it's much more than about the money. Having four programs and and changing uh, the tournament circuit, not being with a circuit but being independent, it it, it has to be a selfless act.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I can I can only imagine how much work is involved. Because like we said earlier, it's almost like he's he's changing the game slightly mm-hmm. and building his own uh, kind of mm-hmm. breaking away from the tradition and bringing his own. Yeah, uh, I don't want to use this word, but empire basically. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you one more question, Mister Osborne. Or sure. I I'll probably just lied to you. I know this isn't my last question, <laughs> but um, just for listeners out there, even for myself, you know, since we were talking about, you know, uh, constantly competing with the other sports out there, such as basketball and football, what are some of the myths and the, the, the obstacles that you run into when parents are coming at you or anybody coming at you in regards to, you know, why should I do this over baseball?
2: Well, I tell you what, and just going back to what I just kind of was just talking about, is they don't see it as a viable sport. And they can't see our sport or our, our what we do is not visible. And what I mean by not visible, other than MMA, what we do, anything that's not MMA is not visible to the public. Mm-hmm. You can go watch an NFL game. You can watch an NBA game. You can watch Major League Baseball. You can do all those things. But if it's not MMA, people don't see it on the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And so what we fight is that even though there's hundreds of thousands of people doing martial arts in the United States, the people that come to us at these schools don't know that. They don't realize that the family, we've probably got just as many kids playing uh, or doing martial arts as there is playing soccer in the mm-hmm. United States. Yeah. I mean, there's that many people that are involved with martial arts. That they, but they can't see that because they don't go to tournaments. They don't go to. They can't see it anymore. Yeah, and uh, it makes it tough for somebody to visualize that.
0: I think Richard's done a great job with educating the public on what he does because uh, YouTube videos, Facebook videos, um, just getting out in the public eye, making sure that he shakes hands. And I mean, half the time people shake your hand and they're ready to look for the next person to try to go and shake their hand. Richard will shake your hand, talk to you and get to know you so that way one you remember him but you know what his intents are and that's that's something that's inside of of our sport and what we do that makes it hard for sometimes people to trust one another or or feel like you're genuine so kind of talking about what he has to combat with those parents uh it's just education and uh how do you get out there and i think what was the what was the first thing that you did to change up the way that you uh distributed information for uh your tournament richard
2: well, I, you know, the biggest thing with me is that, the and and we, and we may touch on this later too, and this may be questions, so I may be jumping ahead, mm-hmm. but we are so spread out with martial arts. Martial arts itself, there are so many people involved. And when you talk about the sports side of things, there are so many people doing tournaments. If you do point fighting, I don't care what organization you're with, if it's traditional Taekwondo, karate, whatever. If you do point fighting, you do the same thing I do. Mm-hmm. If you do – in Taekwondo, they call it poomsae, and we call it forms or katas or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, then you do sport martial arts. If you do it in a tournament – now, your tournaments may not be the same as mine, and we may not go to the same tournaments, but you do that. So what I did was – and I just started with my region first. The best way to do it is to clean up your backyard first. Yeah, and so yeah. the thing that I did was I tried to go to every school, and I haven't, still haven't touched all the schools in my region – but I started in my four state region and every school I can get my hands on that I thought could be somebody that could benefit from tournaments or want to attend a tournament, whether it's a church program with five students or whether it's a mega school with 400 students. I wanted every school in the Midwest to know Ozark mountain nationals, whether they came or not. Mm -hmm. I want them to know the brand and what we are doing here and, and I try to communicate with them to tell them, hey, we're, we're an open tournament. We're not, uh, we're not sanctioned with anybody. We've got fair judging. you know, And, and then go into the, the dialogue of what we're offering. But the first thing first was just try to contact schools and maybe some schools that have been out of touch for a long time with other people. Oh, yeah. Like, well, you know what? Nobody's, nobody's called me in years about tournaments. Well, you know what? I- I'm doing that. I'm, I'm sending you mm-hmm. in. And then social media, I mean, that took it to a whole new realm. Yeah. Everybody is- can put a page together yeah. for their Taekwondo school. It could be, like I said, a church program. It could be a community program. It could be a guy in his garage that has 10 students. He could put a page up and say, I'm with, um, you know, Joe's Taekwondo in my garage, yeah. you know, yeah. and contacting those people and going, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Uh, this is how we're handling things. Would you like to be a part? And from there, letting people make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started initially.
0: Where where are you at now? Because I know you still, I mean, like I said, I mentioned the YouTube and the Facebook. What's the next thing? What's the next kind of uh, social media device you're going to use to get into people's ear?
2: Well, the next evolution that we've got... We are having a hard time. There's only one term in the United States that gets any kind of national t- uh, TV coverage, and that's with the help of John Paul Mitchell, is mm-hmm. the U.S. Open, which is coming up next weekend. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones that have made it to ESPN, not since the 80s. Now, back in the 80s, we had tournaments all the time on ESPN. Yeah. Since then, since the 90s, you know, U.S. Open's been it. And so our only way to stream and to produce something that m- people can see is through streaming. And so I have I have looked into streaming. The Facebook Live thing is probably going to change everything with yeah. this new Facebook Live stuff because people tap into your Facebook Live. They may just be friends of yours, but they yeah. may not do karate, but they're going to tap your live stream. So streaming is probably our next evolution. That is the only way we're going to take our sport and to be able to broadcast it to the masses. Yeah. Now we've got to clean it up a little bit. We're still in the evolution stages of making it look like an actual production. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I've talked about too, and I, and I don't have the money yet and the finances right now to, to do this right now, but another source, we're not ever going to make it to ABC. We're not going to make it to Fox News We're not or Fox Sports. We're not going to make it to Spike TV. That's just not our avenue. Mm-hmm. But one thing I have a target on that I, I really think that we could really do is ESPN3. DirecTV yeah. has signed a contract with um, ESPN3, and they can broadcast it through DirecTV onto your TV. Now, ESPN3 is still just an Internet-based, a uh, viewing source for mm-hmm. sports, but if somebody can push a button on their direct TV channel and tune into a sport cry tournament, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying the whole tournament, but just maybe the finals or whatever. Now you've increased your viewership to millions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that is, I, I don't know if others have looked at a target goal flat or, but that is kind of what my target goal is, is I think ESPN three is going to be our medium. And that's where our, that's where our broadcast needed to, to gear towards is to be able to get that. Some have already made it to like Comcast on the East Coast, and some us done some stuff regionally. But as far as a global type of positioning to get more viewership, yeah. that target is where we need to be at. And so streaming for me first, just streaming, getting the word out, and then evolving to that kind of production is the next phase of what I want to do eventually down the road.
0: Hey, man, I wish you were in I'm the studio. This. I know. I wish you were in the studio with us because me and Richard are just sitting here smiling like, dude... Vision. Yeah, we're all about passion yes. and vision.
1: Oh, that that the P word right I there know. always gets me. And then just just hearing that, it sounds like you don't have a a limit to it's success. Yeah, now. to to your success, it seems like you're just striving and constantly striving. It's like you got so many different ideas out there, things and not just dreams, but things that you are actually attainable. making and yeah, attainable dreams or attainable goals yeah. actually. And I just I just want I just thank you guys both for man <laughs> this,
0: this <laughs> is a pleasure. <laughs> the one thing and if you guys haven't been paying attention, every time Richard talks we ask him a specific question, he says we as a group. It takes it takes a united front, a united bond. To, to get this over, because if, if Richard's trying to do all this stuff by himself, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we've had hour-long conversations about why everybody needs to work together. As much as people want to sit on the throne and, and, and stay, the, stay the king, you got to pass the torch every now and then. you got to pass it. you got to work with your community. you got to listen. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths. So one thing that we kind of skipped over that I want to bring to the forefront, because people might not understand, what is sports karate specifically? How do you define it?
2: Well, to me, it is a generalization. You know, I know not everybody's karate. We've got Taekwondo, we got tempo, we've got Kempo, we've got soft style, uh, Chinese, different types of systems. But tournament play is built to be open. Like, mm-hmm. we can all compete together. Now, some people don't believe in that, and I understand that. So sport karate is a general term. If you take all your martial artists and you put them into one tournament, we call that, well, and I say we, I didn't come up with this name, but they yeah. labeled it as sport karate. And what sport karate is is basically open competition. It is mm-hmm. taking different styles and different systems and putting them into one spot and and letting them compete against one another from different styles and different systems based off the rules. And so that is what the general term is sport karate is. Yeah.
0: And I feel like people have gotten away from that as they have become more uh, secluded and then kind of uh, resentful at some points and i think it's it it goes back to why i said we everybody needs to come together that's the best way to test yourself and i see tournaments as a checkpoint that's why i tell my my guys this is a checkpoint in your training you shouldn't take for granted you won at one tournament think you're king poobah and you're king of the world it's just checkpoint plus you you create bonds friendships that last forever and that was one of the things that i loved about competing especially when i was growing up there was like at least 19 people uh, in each in each ring, each division, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So you had to fight your way through and actually make it to the final so you could feel some kind of pride. And there was joy associated with actually earning your way up. But you also built respect with your peers and the black belts and the judges and everybody else was there. It was it, Everybody was more in tune, I think.
1: And speaking of peers and everything, just for the listeners' sake and also my sake, so how did you two get, become acquaintance?
0: You going to take that, Mr. Osborne, or...?
2: Well, I, I tell you what, Oklahoma is the one that reached out to me uh, when I first started doing this. And, and just a, and we'll talk more about my tournament later. But when I started doing this and I started moving around a little bit, uh, you know, I, I started running into people from down in Oklahoma that kind of had the same vision. And uh, uh, as far as what I was wanting to do, and, and I think that they realized some of the things that they were wanting to do for the okay and and some different stuff in Oklahoma, and uh, you know. And we basically just struck up a dialect uh we met at an event uh we started talking we had some of the same ideas um and you know from there it just kind of blossomed and it and it wasn't you know in in with elijah you know and mr bailey it was there was a whole group down there now i mean oklahoma right now honestly is one of my top supporters as far as the state goes um and so, and you know, and so it, it's been a, it's just been fostering a relationship down there uh, of getting schools involved and stuff like that. But all it started was, was around, hey, look, I'm doing something up here. It's a mm-hmm. little different. Uh, do you guys want to come up here and check this out and see what you guys think? And, and from there, uh, relationships grow. Grown, uh, yep. We help each other out. And, and that's what's kind of blossomed into what it is now.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: wow. Well, that's my question. Yeah. <laughs> I think the
0: very first time we met, I was uh, vice president, okay, and we just given the whole um pre tournament speech, like what the rules are, what we're doing here. Um and then everybody goes off to do their own deal and Richard comes up and shakes my hand, here, you know, I'm new to this, I don't really know what I'm doing, but give me a task and I'll do it to the best of my ability. Uh what do I need? Where where will you be? I'll be walking and that's me. I'll be walking around the floor. Here's a rule book. If you have any questions, just ask me. And since that day, he's done that every single tournament. He will uh, bleed, sweat, be on the floor. If his legs aren't working, still calling, <laughs> calling the match <laughs> on his belly if he has to. But he'll work that whole tournament from start to finish. And you don't have that in everybody. And for somebody to come out of state that has no school down here, that doesn't have, uh, I don't think at the first tournament, maybe you had one or two students. I'm, I'm not sure. But even if he doesn't have any students, he will come and work that tournament to support you. Oh wow! And and that's something that you can respect, and that's something that's commendable. And so I always think back at that. How do you greet somebody? How are you uh, showing yourself? And that impression left left a long lasting impression. And then the next thing for us is uh, we got to fight it out. So have, have y'all fought? <laughs> no. I oh, I yeah, never fought. no no not yet.
2: <laughs> I, I know I want to I, Elijah, see, and I'm getting a little bit past my prime. I'm 38 now, but I still like to get in the ring a little bit. So the other thing that intrigues me about Elijah is I hear about this heavyweight down in Oklahoma, <laughs> see, and that's how, and that's how I grew up too. Uh, you know, with my dad, we would hear rumors about people fighting. Mm-hmm. This is how we started. You know, I was I was a decent regional competitor. I wasn't great by any means, and I wasn't on the national level as far as where other guys go. But how we got ourselves better and we got to the point that we were competitively was, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s, there was no internet and there was no, we had to hear rumors. Hey, man, we yeah. heard about this group down in uh, Arkansas. We heard these guys can fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, dad would pencil that group in for next year. We'd have to wait a whole year to go down there. Yeah. And so You know, I had always heard about different fighters from Oklahoma and Texas and Chicago and all these places, and I didn't get to go all the time with my father. But, you know, when you hear names and stuff like that as a competitor, whether you win or lose, Mm -hmm. you always want to get in there and get a little bit of taste of that. And that's the competitor in me. Whether I win or lose, I want to be able to, I want to be able to have that experience. And even if it's like, you know, with me, I, you know, I had one shot at the fight to probably one of the best fighters in the United States. I got to fight Raymond one time, Raymond Daniels. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those that are in sport martial arts, I got one shot at it, you know, and even though I lost, you know, I got to be out there with him, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. I don't care what oh, yeah. the score is or what the spread is, but, you know, because I, I really, you know, I'd like to fight everybody I can, you know, but my days are kind of getting past me now, but, but you know, I I would I, I I'm trying to talk Elijah in the fight a little bit more. I'm gonna, if I catch him if I catch him at a term, I'm gonna sneak my gear in and see if he's fighting just to get in there with
0: him. We'll we'll make it happen. But it's funny okay. that that uh, you mentioned Raymond because he he got kind of heated up there talking about about talking about getting in the ring. But uh, I remember Raymond long time ago uh, came through Oklahoma to a tournament and fought with me and Josh. And that's something that that I tell people about every now and then oh, Raymond Daniels doesn't do this or do that. I'm like, dude, you if you haven't been in the ring with somebody, you can only speculate. You can only guess. Until you get in there, don't say nothing because, I mean, everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their weaknesses. But I'm the same thing, uh, the same way as Richard. When you get somebody that, that can challenge you and put a smile on your face while you're fighting, and, I mean, you're going at it back and forth, blow for blow, you know, you might have busted lip, you're going to be sore tomorrow, that's a good feeling. That's mm-hmm. a real good
1: feeling. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's nice. Let's do this real quick, Uh, Mr. Ivor. We're going to take a quick pause Pause for the the calls. I wanted
0: to say it, Mr. Bailey. I like saying it. (laughs) Hey,
1: humans, this is Emily Stingle.
0: And Elijah Bailey here from the Hoya The Warrior Way podcast, a martial arts podcast diving into the world of martial arts one kick at a time, the warrior mindset in a wild bunch way. To find us, you can go to.
1: Our official Facebook page at Hoya the Warrior Way podcast or go to at Hoya Warrior Way on Twitter or Instagram and you can always find us at www.blackinstudios.com where you can click on our link and have access to all our episodes.
0: And we're back to the Elijah Bailey show. I thought you were going to bring us back since you wanted to take us out. I just wanted to take us out. Okay.
1: That'd probably be the only time I actually take you out.
0: So before the break, we were talking to Mr. Osborne about um, about sports karate and and what it's become, and then us getting in the ring, you know, like two gladiators one last time before we hang up the laces. But uh, I wanted to talk about the bout of Atlanta because you got invited to to actually be center judge. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I've got. I actually got to be one of the underbelt judges, and then uh, the underbelt center ring. Uh, I got to be a center in one of the underbelt rings and then also too I, I got to participate in the nighttime finals as a side judge. And so, you know, it, it was it was a big honor for me. You know, the, the thing with me is that everybody's gotta find their niche on, on where they fit in, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, there's gotta be people that are refs, there's gotta be people yeah. that are owners, there's gotta be promoters. And so to me, in my point in my career, uh you know, I'm not a top tier athlete anymore. I'm not a I'm not a top competitor. So my place in this sport right now is to uh, officiate um, and to promote and do those things that are behind the scenes to help my sport. Uh, you know, I'm not a front runner type of competitor anymore, and you know, not that I ever was, but you know, everybody's got to find their niche, and this is my niche. And so since I found my niche, I'm trying to run with it, and and it wind up spreading to some of the people that organized the about of Atlanta, and they got to watch me uh, judge a couple. Uh, tournaments here in the Midwest and they felt it was a good uh, match to have them come or for me to come out with my family and and help officiate and we actually got the battle done in record time and I'm not saying me I'm saying we as officials and uh, they called it one of the best battles of the last 25 years so uh, you know having the right kind of people involved in the same way on my regional tournament you know we'll get into that here in a little bit but you know you got to have good people around you no matter what you do in life you got to have good people around you to make things
0: work the way you want them to. Yep. That reason, I know Richard's pointing at me from across to that, that reason right there is why, uh, they contacted you, sir. It it is when, when you, when you watch Mr. Osborne in the ring, I mean, you have two minutes. He makes sure he uses every single second of those minutes. Like, come on, get back on the line. Go, go, go. Uh, no more like long since are gone. The days where you hit a point, you take a minute to get back to the ring. You only got one minute left to fight. He keeps it going and, and gives people, what they pay for. So are, are
1: there still tournaments that do that, though?
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think, uh, again, we heard the word we. It, it's about how you command that ring and, and the, the uh, sense of pride and passion you invoke. Because those kids, those competitors are there for a reason, to prove themselves. They're excited to be there. They're on that stage. They're in that ring for a reason. So you, as a judge, have to have that same kind of passion. Otherwise, you're cheating them. And it only works if there's a collective group. Whether there's three judges or five judges, you guys have to work as a unit. And that's – and again – I, I don't like blowing smoke, but uh, Mr. Osborne does it the best.
1: So let me ask you this, Mr. Osborne. I've asked Elijah this on the past uh, episodes and everything like that. With you doing your own thing, and I'm pretty sure there's a, a long list of people that want you to judge their stuff. Do, do you ever come across an organization that hosts tournaments a certain way that you just don't agree with, such as Elijah was saying with the whole you got two minutes to fight, but this fight's actually going to last ten minutes because on every point we're going to allow you to rest and get some ice and you know clean your hurt, you know your, your boo boos up and everything before you get back into the circle. How do you how, how do you deal with that? Well, this is a
2: loaded question here. Oh, now. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Richard. Here's me. A, Here's the thing. Here's here's there are organizations that do things a certain way, and that's just because they've been doing them for years right wrong or indifferent they have had a history of the way they do things and sometimes they don't want to change if i'm at an open tournament and this is what the freedom allows this is why i love open tournaments i can judge and dictate a fight any way i want to even if i'm a visitor from out of state people may look at me kind of funny and go why is that guy moving so dang fast why is he doing things that way and once i can sit down and talk to somebody and explain i've never had somebody come up to me and go man what you do is totally wrong I don't understand anything that you're doing. And it doesn't make any sense to me why you run a ring the way you run. Everybody that I've ever had the privilege, and I am very lucky and fortunate of this, I'm not saying that I make perfect calls all the time and I still make mistakes. I always, always try and watch myself on mistakes. But even me, as hard as I am on myself, I still make mistakes. I even watch videotape of myself to watch my mistakes to make sure I do better the next time. Mm. But I have never had somebody come up to me and go, hey, you know, that is, we, we don't want you ever doing that ever again. I've, it, the more times or not that the conversation has been, like, hey, why do you do the way you do? And then I get to explain, hey, this is why my reasonings is for the way I'm doing things, the way I'm doing them. And here's my explanation as to why. And if it makes sense to them, usually people are pretty receptive to it. But I have not seen an organization. Now, there are certain things or, that we see in organizations and stuff like that that I, I may not agree with but you know, that's what they do. And they may not want to, they may not want to change what they do. And that is perfectly okay. My group that I'm trying to get involved with, or the people I try and surround myself with are people who are thinking the same way I do. And we, we will get together because you can't convince somebody to change their, 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 if their mind's made up and they don't want to change my job. And I, I'm not a very good salesman, so I can't change somebody's mind for them. They have to want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so I just go out and search for the people that want to be a part of what we're doing and how we're doing things. And if they want to do that, then, then, then we'll evolve from there. But, uh, but, yeah, there's things here and there. But, uh, you know, like I said, I don't. my job is not to get in front of them and go, hey, look, that, that doesn't make any sense what you're doing there. You need to do it my way. I'm not that type of guy. I do things my way, and, uh, and some of it works, some of it doesn't. The things that do work, we try and make it better. And the things that don't, we try and get rid of or, or improve on that, and then we try and get people around us that are doing the same thing.
0: Nice. Yeah. So you, Richard, tried to <laughs> tried to chop your legs out from underneath you.
2: Answered <laughs> it like did. a pro. Answered <laughs> like a he great did. pro right there. <laughs> Hopefully, I came back. Hopefully, I came back on. <laughs> you did. You did.
0: Left me in silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I want to do before we actually talk about your upcoming tournament. Is we had a couple of questions on Facebook, and what I what I think I'm going to do is I might even open up something on Facebook where people can ask you questions directly. But we had some questions uh, that that your friends, the thousands and thousands of friends and fans you have, wanted to ask you <laughs> questions. Um, one of them, <laughs> one of them was how exaggerating
2: the life. Well, it's millions. That's what it was. Uh,
0: <laughs> one of them was how does he establish a baseline for getting into a new state and recruiting there. Basically, what do you look for when you uh, you're one to work with another state to to build your tournament or to build something with that that organization or group?
2: okay, well, you know the thing is time is valuable um, I, I if most people may not know this about me and some of my personal friends do, I have a fear of flying, and so when I look at another state, I have got to look at the viability of being able to get to that state to be able to drive to that state and to be able to maximize my time. And what I mean by maximize that time is that, and again, this is going back to social media. This is why it's yeah. been such a huge, I don't think I could have done this 30 years ago or 20 yeah. years ago, or maybe even 15 years ago. I couldn't do it to the point where I'm at now, but I research tournaments in other States and I try and find the largest tournaments I possibly can in those States. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones I try and target. If, if I went to every tournament in the Midwest and I tried to hit every tournament and I'm just talking about open tournaments, not even yeah. the closed tournaments. There is close to 70 open tournaments in the Midwest. So almost every weekend, and I could be traveling to two tournaments in one weekend. Uh, same, you know, same Saturday have two tournaments within 100 miles of each other. I would mm-hmm. be going to 70 some odd tournaments a year Ooh. to to try and hit everybody. So I've got to maximize my time. So what I do is I try and target a tournament that's the biggest tournament that I possibly can find, especially like. Now, if it's more of a regional tournament that I can get to maybe within a few hours, then it doesn't have to be a, a huge, enormous tournament. But, like, you know, my next target is Texas. I, I mean, mm-hmm. and I, even, even from Texas, mm-hmm. listen, I'm trying to find an event down in Texas, down in the Dallas area that I can get to in the next two years to be able to start because Texas has been a, a target of mine to be able to get competitors from Texas up here because wow. of such a large surplus of competitors. And then Chicago – Chicago is my Mm -hmm. other target. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to find events up there that I can maximize my time up there. If I go up there and I work all day, am I able to make as many contacts as I possibly can at those events? And there's nothing wrong with smaller events, and and I want to preference that. I'm just saying because everybody has such limited time Mm -hmm. and and they're not able to get everywhere, you've got to maximize what you're doing and make sure that you get the maximum output for what you're putting in as far as the work goes. And so, and that's how I kind of target where I go, and and how I see people and the events I get to go to. Man,
0: but you, you don't want to get on a plane.
2: No, I'm scared <laughs> to death of flying. Well, but I do, it, I do it for my family. If we take family vacations, I'll get on that plane for my it? family. For,
0: yeah. But. Okay. Okay. Yep. Next question is: How do you how do you decide what is fair when you have an, an open sports tournament? You have all these different styles. What's your baseline for people that? don't compete in sports karate tournaments?
2: Well, that's another thing, the reason why I love open tournament play. Even though I've developed relationships, and that's the one thing that we've gotten into over the years, is sometimes politics gets involved and we mm-hmm. get favorites and stuff like that. Yeah. I When I do my judging or I look at open tournaments, and this is how the open tournaments should be, my personal opinion, whoever the best is, I don't care if you do one tournament a year, and you come and compete and your school only comes to one term of computer, if you're the best that day in that division, you should win. I mean, that's how, that's what we should be projecting. It shouldn't be about who our favorites are or -hmm. who we like and we don't like. And and that's not, that's not how we're going to build what we've got. And for the most part, most people want competition. The most people I talk to, they want competition. They want more fighters. They Mm -hmm. want more extreme martial artists. They want more traditional forms and people who want that, are, are inviting of other people to come in, no matter what level they are, to come in and do it. And if they're the best that day, they win. I mean, yeah. that is just – that's how it has to be. And when I judge somebody, I don't care who they are. If they're the best in that division and they deserve the best score or if they're point fighting and they get a point, they get it. I mean, it's just – it's so, it sounds so simple to everybody, you know, but it, sometimes it doesn't follow through to the tournament format. They're like, well, you can't go to that tournament because you ain't going to win, you know. And, yeah. and it's happened to me, too. I went to somebody else's because that's what we had to do. Nobody came to Springfield to come to fight us, not very often. We had to go to everybody's backyard. I always mm-hmm. had to go to somebody's backyard, and I didn't yeah. get calls. Yeah. And that happens. <laughs> but, but really, honestly, I, 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 the best person that day, who has the best skill that day should win, and that's how we keep it. If we keep it simple like that, the sport will grow. It'll grow, and it'll expand, and it'll draw more people.
0: Uh, last question before we have to go. And We got to get you back on uh on this show and I'm also doing another martial arts podcast called Hoya the Warrior Way podcast. Um and that one we can we can spend as much time as we need delving into the mind of of a uh martial artist such as yourself. But the last question is how is your training different from how you train your students and then how have you had to evolve? So cuz I know again we grew up old school, old style, and now you're doing more sports karate so how has it changed how have you evolved as an instructor
2: well we we have scaled back on how we fight now that's twofold one thing that we did a lot uh when i was coming up we did a lot of point fighting matches so like we were just trained for tournaments it's mm-hmm. not that we didn't do continuous rounds yeah. but we did a lot more uh point fighting just to get ready for the matches now i have actually switched my thought process and we do more continuous rounds than we do point. We barely do any point fighting rounds. And what I've been trying to get out of my kids is not that we're going full contact, we're going hard, but it's good light to moderate contact. But what I've noticed in my kids when we started doing that mm-hmm. is that they weren't, they weren't just stopping on the technique. Like if they throw a back fist and it may score, but if it does, the judges don't call it, then they stop. Mm-hmm. And so with my yeah. continuous fighting, and I'm just talking about the forms aspect of things, but you know or the fighting aspect is that we have we have done more continuous and we've done more rounds like that than we have do point fighting and it actually made our point fighters better because they got used to rocking a little bit not hard yeah. because we all you can't have everybody dropping on you anymore you know and yeah. we actually and we actually for a point in time we actually for testings we got rid of fighting for testings for a long time and then I brought it back about five years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, man, we got to start sparring again for testing. And, you know, in, in that point in time, the testing, that you know, that sparring gets, gets pretty heated, you know. But we're not trying to hurt anybody intentionally. But things happen, you know, and sometimes you get a good shot and you, things happen like that. But, you know, so that's kind of been my evolution, too, is that. Something I took away in our testings, we brought it back, and it's something we used to do back to get ourselves better for sport. We did less of, and we started doing more of something we didn't do before, and it helped us with our point scoring. And so, you know, it's kind of flip flopped on, wow. on both ends of the spectrum on what we do. So it has changed. You know, it, it's not like the old days when we used to be able to rock all the time. You're still going to get hit. There's yeah. two people fighting each other, you're going to get hit. There's going to be contact, things are going to happen. But, you know, we all got to get up and go to work the next day. And we've got to watch what we're doing as far as contact and stuff like that. But that's kind of been my evolution as far as just trying to figure things out to make my kids better. And that's been one of the things we found.
0: Uh, before we get out of here, we want to talk about your tournament so people know where to go, where to find you, and uh, where can they tune in. So are you planning on using Facebook Live this year to broadcast you know the tournament?
2: Yeah, during the day, during the day we're going to do the adult fighting matches via okay. my Facebook. Right now, my viewership is more with my friends that are in the sport karate world with mm-hmm. my personal Facebook. And then that night, we're going to do the YouTube live stream. That way, because okay. uh, nice. it's all for juniors, that way their grandma, grandpa, cousins, whatever, uncles, can all tune in on YouTube and be able to watch that uh, to be able to view that. Because that's what that's for, is for them that night, is for the kids to – you know, parents that aren't there, relatives or whatever, be able to watch them on stage if they make it that night. And then during the day, I'm trying to do more, hey, look, you know, here's what we got going on. Here's the fighting we got going on. You guys tune in, you guys that are fans, because honestly right now our fans are, are fellow martial artists. Mm-hmm. It's not an outside network. So uh, I'm trying to do that during the day uh, as far as Facebook live streaming. And then at night we're going to do a YouTube, more of a, more of a, uh, a professional setup at night.
0: If you don't mind me asking, what are your numbers on Facebook? Because when you have videos, I mean, you have a couple thousand people watching uh, the live videos. And then, you know, that circulates. That continues to stay on your page and more people go ahead and watch. So how many, what numbers are you hitting right now?
2: The other day, you know, this is small numbers, but I I was at Mr. Wells' tournament and I hit the live stream. And I think the total views on that was like 751. I think views people that actually tuned in that day, I think I had maybe 40 or 50 at one point in time that was watching it live with me. But once I went off the live button, that new notification that comes up with people, mm-hmm. I think the the actual viewership was like 700 and something for 14 minutes of, oh, of footage. Nice. And so, yeah. And so that's what, that's the kind of things I'm trying to build on is using what the tools we have right now to be able to get the viewership up And to get the exposure out that we need, especially for us in the Midwest. I mean, good Lord. I mean, not everybody's going to pay attention to us, so the only way to do it is to show people what's going on here, That's and then hopefully true. they'll they'll garner an interest to come here. That's very true. Yeah, yeah It is.
0: <laughs> and it, what's what's your uh, what's the name of your tournament? Where is it located? Where can people find you? Where can people come and spectate? You don't have to stay at home. You can just drive down, watch the turn, watch fights all day, eat some good food, give Richard a hug and a kiss. But where can they find you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I tell you what, I have no problem with saying I'm the king of hugs. If you've seen me in a tournament and I get to know you, I guarantee you're going to get a hug. You know, and I I, I, I pride myself on hugs and handshakes. So, But uh, we are the Ozark Mountain Nationals. We're nice. up here in Springfield, Missouri. We have our tournament in probably one of the nicest venues. You know, we call it the Ozark Mountain Nationals. But when you really break down, and I'm and I'm honest with myself on what my tournament is, I am a super regional. What I mean by super regional is that we draw – From about seven to eight states, we are not a Mm -hmm. true national where we got coast to coast competitors coming in. But I've labeled my tournament that way so that as the growth would come, we would already have the name and that Mm -hmm. kind of uh, awareness would be already be out there. So I was thinking ahead, you know. And honestly, guys, when I first started my first tournament, my turn, my first tournament had sixty competitors on the floor and probably maybe a hundred spectators, maybe. Uh, this last year, I had 321 competitors, mm, and we yeah. ran out of wristbands at 700 for spectators. Wow. And so, you know, we had a lot of people in our venue. And, and again, going back to the venue, we've got a state of the art multi million dollar convention center. We've got matted rings, there's nine rings, there's about 25,000 square feet of floor space. Super nice place. And spectators, competitors, there's still pre-registration going on. If you go to OzarkMountainNationals.com, uh depending on when this when this hits for everybody, but our our, our pre-registration deadline is July 15th, but if you miss that, you can still register the day of. And check this out, for 8 bucks you can get in and see the whole tournament the whole day for only $8. That's what mm. spectators cost. Wow. It's, a deal. it's a nice air conditioned venue. Uh we'll have food, we'll have drinks there. You can buy at the concession stands. And then for 2 bucks more, only 2 bucks more, you can come back that night. So ten dollars for the whole day. You can come back to the night show. We'll have a cash bar that night. We'll have mm. nice seating. It'll be underneath the lights. So we're going to have a night show for our juniors who won during the day. They'll be on stage performing. So it'll be the best of the best of the kids that night. We're expecting three to five hundred people to be there that night just to watch the kids and do our live stream. So whether you're a spectator, whether you're a competitor, whether you have an interest in martial arts, if you like combat martial arts, you know the biggest thing I've been trying to push here lately. With all these guys starting to go to MMA that were sport karate guys and going to glory and stuff like that, you get to see the guys that could be potentially the next Raymond Daniels, the next Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, the next Venom Page. And if you're in the MMA world, you'll know who those names are. You get to see those guys and how they started in their fighting with guys that are local right here in your own backyard. So spectator, competitor, doesn't matter. You can come and enjoy the event and you'll have a good time. Oh,
0: dude, I'm, I just threw $10 out the window right now. Hopefully it makes it your way. He's selling me over here, selling me. Yes, that sounds, that sounds real cool. I know. You were perking up over yeah, there. The yeah, I was. I think you might be Richard. <laughs> 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 but, man, I want to thank you for for coming on the show today. We're, we we got to have you back. I oh, gotta,
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, just like Elijah said, I mean, he has another martial arts show, but I want to have you back just even on my show alone. I have a I have a different podcast as well called The Black Box. Uh, where I interview people who have a passion, who are actually striving for you know their success, their success and their goals. Mm-hmm. And just just from hearing you today, sir, it's, it's been a pleasure and an honor, and, a, and I thank you.
0: It's lit in the, the
2: Oh, not fire. a problem at all. Thank you, guys. Appreciate
0: it. Uh, my co-host for Hoya the Warrior Way podcast is here, Emily Stinglin. She's excited. She wants to go out and compete. So uh, you'll, you, you you got a little crew coming your way, Richard.
2: Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys a lot. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot to me. You know, these these types of things, you know, if you know that this is how things are going to grow, we've got to do stuff like this. We all got to work together. No matter what our background is, we all got to come together, and that's the only way we're going to be able to make it work.
0: That's right.
1: That is very Uh, true.
0: Again, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Coming to you from A Little Bit of Anime, this is Monica Robinson
0: and Elijah Bailey.
2: The podcast that walks the line. It's
1: detailed enough for some hardcore fans, but we also keep it simple for the casual new anime viewer also.
0: To listen to our podcast or to find out more about us, our show, or to contact us, go to our official Facebook page, A Little Bit of Anime. To find us on Twitter or Instagram, go to Bido Anime. And to find anything about us, go to www.blackinstudios.com where you can click on our link and have access to all our shows. As you guys heard, we had a wonderful show at Mr. Richard Osborne Jr.
1: that just got me just so pumped right now. Exactly. It's it's, like like my mind is just like racing.
0: It's
1: blowing, but it's racing around trying to get all the pieces
0: back together. When he talked about ESPN3 and then the direct Mm. streaming, I was like, dude, that's all. Because you know what I thought? I thought Twitch. I was like, dude, he could, because Twitch is a place not for just video games. games Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's, branching out. And it's not even nerd culture; it's just whatever you're interested in. So you could it's do like a cooking channel f- there now. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw. I went through and watched the uh, the shows, but it was just uh, very in- informative because me and Richard talk every now and then, and then to to reminisce on how we met, and then you know he wanted to get in the ring. I, I got my gear. Up <laughs> gear. Yeah, but um, I mean it was just a great show. I was yes. happy to have him on the show finally because we've been trying to get him on the show for a month. But with the changes to the show and moving the studio,
1: it's been pretty hectic. But um, so Elijah, I mean, man, he just laid down some great, great, great content. And just for the listeners, they're going to be able to hear on this episode. But I know they're only going to be there. I know they're going to be wanting to follow him. Where can they follow him at?
0: You can go on Twitter and follow him at Next Level Karate, which is his martial arts school that he talked about in the show. You can also find him and his tournament at ozark mountain nationals on instagram or facebook or just shoot him a a thank you or a line or a message at richard osborne jr again this is one of the biggest not and i'm not trying to exclude anybody else i I do want to have mr bob Liker on because he runs another huge national tournament but mr osborne has one of the biggest national tournaments and like you heard uh last year was 300 competitors and like 700 at the door they ran out of wristbands uh this year it's, it's twice as big it's almost like tokyo and tulsa but yeah. it's Springfield. Yeah. Um, again, we want to thank you, Mr. Osborne, for coming on the show. Where can people find you at, Richard? All the listeners
1: out there can go to blackinstudios.com, which is our website to find all the podcasts. And currently right now, I think the Authentic Conversations is actually our feature podcast. Of the week. Yes. And then you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Black and Studios. And if you want to slide me an email, podcast at blackinstudios.com.
0: Oh, man, it sounds like you only had to do that one time. <laughs> and you can find anything and everything about this show, the greatest show in all of the land, the Elijah Bailey Show. If you go to our official Facebook page, Elijah bailey show or instagram and twitter at elijah bailey show without the w that's s h o other than that it's black